Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. Today, we're here with Stuart Townsend, and this guy is awesome. We just had a great conversation. He's helping me solve some sales problems for our company, which is always very, very helpful. Uh, but Stuart is the founder of Channel as a Service, and this guy has a lot of business experience. You know, he's worked in the corporate world, in the startup world. He's owned multiple companies, currently owns multiple companies. So he's one of those guys, when he talks, you listen. So I'm excited to have you here, Stuart, so we can dive into this. So can you say what's up to our audience? And then we'll hop right in. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, so Stuart from the UK. Um, I'm a little bit older than, I suppose, uh, Josh, maybe, maybe. Um, been around a little bit. And like Josh said, done a bit of corporate work, done some startups, ran some businesses, had some failures, had some fallovers, had some successes as well. So it's, uh, it's great to meet you all today and have a chance of uh, a chat about what's been going on for the last 30, 40 years. <laughs> we'll just get you caught up on the, the most recent 30 to 40 years. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, Stuart, we talked about this in the pre-interview, but I really like to get down to how you're overcoming specific issues in your company and then turning those into wins. And you've done this with so many different companies. Um, I want to look at what was kind of a campaign or some sort of business that you've had that just, it failed miserably. And then why did it fail? What was the specific driving factor? That's a, a good question there, Josh, as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll anchor it back to, I suppose, most recent history uh, in a sense. And I think what, what it comes down to before I sort of tell you what the business was is, is about being more aware of what you're successful at and what you're good at and what your skills are um, and recognizing that and acting upon them, um, which I didn't do. So I, I made an investment in a um, blockchain-based business um, three, four years ago at the high of crypto. Crypto is high now, but at the high at the time. Uh, I'm not very good at investing. <laughs> that's that's the lesson learned. So I invested in, the, in a business without doing due diligence or checking on the technical sort of architecture, the marketplace it was going to deliver at. Um, and what it turned out to be, it, was, it wasn't a complex technical solution. Um, that was fine. And, and we could sort of go against it. But the actual market we were looking to serve, the legalities around it and, uh, and the market as a whole just died. So for me, it was just um, a lesson learned of work on business that I can work on that I know about and I can drive or work with businesses that I know don't go and invest in other people's businesses because I'm really bad at that. And it took a very painful investment to learn that, um, that, that exercise. And, and it wasn't that the people were bad or, or anything like that at all. It was just um, I went ahead and made that, that investment without really sort of checking the, the clarity of what I was doing. I was, I was caught up in a high, basically, of, of the hype of crypto and blockchain and what was going to happen, that sort of thing. Um, and, and it, I, it took me forward, whereas actually I should have put my business head on, which is what I advise my clients about doing, um, and I didn't um, around it. So I think for me, that was, you know, the lessons around that were, yeah, it was a failure. Um, I've come back from it, it's fine. But actually, don't don't get caught up in the hype. Don't think you have to run with the rest of the crowd and sort of go into something. But also, really understand what your core internal sort of, 
knowledge and skills are and what you're good at. Um, and I, I, it took me a bit of time to to do that really in these sort of areas of mistakes and things. I've done, I did another mistake as well. We won't talk about that, which was a furniture business, totally different, not technology, but I, I opened a furniture shop. Why would I do that? <laughs> I've been in IT for 30 years. Um, but again, it's, it's understanding about what you're good at. And I think, you know, for me, that was uh, a default. It sounds quite sort of ambiguous, but, you know, a defining moment in terms of like, right, okay, I know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to set up my consultancy business and work with B2B SaaS companies and build channel programs and build revenue because I've done that for a billion years. I know it inside out. Why did I not just do that? <laughs> it's the most obvious thing I should have done, but no. no. So that's that was sort of a, a, a major, a major sort of learning learning lesson for me. Yeah, that that's brilliant. And it was so funny about that. I've recently understood this on a whole new level of like knowing your strengths. The reality is that most of your strengths are in things that really aren't that fun. I mean, most of the times your best strength is actually mildly boring to you. You could do it. You don't hate it, but it's, it's something that you're not, you're not thinking about because crypto sounds so much sexier, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we, we've actually made quite a bit of money in the crypto investing space. And I would say it's not because I'm a great investor because we just timed it right. But when it comes down to it, you know, entering these new markets because they're quote unquote sexy sometimes isn't the best route because it's going like in your case, you said, if you had just gone into another IT services business, you probably would have succeeded much, much quicker. So it's so, so fun to see that and see kind of that transformation that you have. So I do want to ask you, how did that all turn into kind of now this successful company that you've built? Um, and what, what was kind of that big differentiating factor this time that helped you to win? Yeah, I suppose it was uh, a need for money because I put a, a significant chunk of my savings. Um, and, and again, you know, I've, I've been divorced a couple of times. I'm on my own. I haven't got a backup plan. And it was, it was just that sort of human survival nature of, right, okay, I've beat myself up for a little bit. I've made a mistake. What can I do that I'm really good at? And, and bizarrely enough, you know, as, as luck would have it and such, um, some people came to me that I've known over the years and said, look, you know, we're trying to build out some channel programs here. It's not working. Direct sales are doing it. They don't know what they're doing. Um, can you help us? I was like, well, yeah, okay. It's like, you know, it's, it's what I do or it's what I did. Um, I didn't really want to do that again because I was in corporate and startups and, and such. And then, but then what I found from that is actually I enjoy working for myself. And now I will, I will be very transparent. I will never work for another company again. I'm unemployable, totally unemployable. Um, I always thought I would work for a company for the rest of my life and retire and be sort of old and boring from that side. Um, def definitely not. You know, I can't work for anybody else. So for me, it was about coming out of it and realizing either went and worked for a company and really, really hated it, um, or I did something myself and defined what that was. So basically, I worked for a couple of clients, just putting the proposal together, deciding what rates to charge and that sort of thing, what were the deliverables. And then it just clicked, you know, one client to tell another client, and then my network found out what I was doing. So they'd asked me to, to do small projects or larger projects. So um, up until last year, I was working with one of my clients for two and a half years. I was like a member of the team. I'd go to the Christmas parties <laughs> and everything. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, com coming out of adversity in a sense gave me more clarity about I've made some errors. 
actually what do, it made me step back and decide what do I want to do and how, how can I do that? Um, and then once I started to build that up, it got to a point where it's like, uh, I've got clients, I've got a portfolio of business. And then pre-COVID, I was working six days a week, um, too many clients and having to just step back a bit. And COVID helped with that because then I couldn't put a strategy together. Um, and then post-COVID, I'm still doing that. And then I've invested, you know, sweat equity uh, rather than money this time in other businesses. So it really helped give you that knock to then decide what you wanted to do. Um, and I did invest some some money in crypto and stuff. But the other thing I've learned as well is I am not a risk taker. I'm not an investor, whether it's in businesses or financial. Uh, and I made a little bit of money and I could have made some more, but I decided not to do that because I'm not good at it. And so I've gone, I'm going to do the old fashioned way where I'm going to build a portfolio of businesses up um, and just make money that way. Because I know I can do that and I'll sleep at night. I'll feel more comfy. Yeah. And, and uh, that's not a problem. That's what's fun is like, there's so many different ways to become successful and, and taking where you're currently at and say, okay, I'm not a risk taker. So how do I find risk-free investments, businesses, mm -hmm. and so forth. And, and it seems to be what you've done is you've become successful because you focused more on, like you said, your strengths, finding and knowing what your weaknesses are more than anything. That's just, that's fun for me to see. So I want to ask you this too, though, Stuart. So when it comes to as far as like a great campaign that you've run or a business that you've run, what do you feel like was kind of the differentiating factor? Um, and why do you think that, you know, that campaign was so successful? Um, oh yeah, that's going, that's going deep. It's going deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think, you know, uh, I'm 50 this year. Um, no parties, no nothing. Couldn't see anybody, can't do anything. Um, and it gives you time to reflect on your halfway, well, a little bit halfway forward in your life. And it's like, what, what was successful and what do I want to do? And I think for me, leaving those companies, making some mistakes, going a little bit off piece and then coming back has meant that I can sort of look at actually what is success. And, and so success to me is just being happy in what I do. So channel as a service, it's not a chore. It's a passion. I can make a difference. I can generate revenue. I can see an increase in companies. I can test and sort of tease different methodologies. I can use sort of structured things, but it's just about really enjoying it. And I know it's a cliche and it's a horrible cliche. I'm not going to say it, but I do enjoy going to work because I work for myself. I bring contractors in to do stuff. And to me, that's a success. I've built a business that um sustains itself it can it can grow if it wants to um but i choose not to i don't want to have what we were talking about earlier i don't want to start hiring staff and going through that fun piece and they don't turn up and the clients are happy uh, especially as a services business and um, but then what i've done this last six months last couple of quarters is find other businesses that i'm happy in and that i can bring value to and really drive it and enjoy it so uh, you know, this podcast talk, this rev team, these um, Hello Mobile, uh, it's three businesses that I enjoy the technologies. I enjoy the market outreach and where we're going to and invested in them. It's like, yeah, I'll give you 100%. So so it's really finding that sort of cliche. I know it's a cliche, but just being what you're happy in and what you enjoy, because then it's just not, it's not a challenge then. Um, the, only, the only sort of negative side is I'm a procrastinator. 
So I just get distracted by shiny things. So looking at NFTs, looking at DeFi, looking at sort of exciting buzzword stuff. Um, but then I try and anchor that and bring that back into the businesses I'm working on um, or the companies I'm working with. So, yeah, I think, you know, summary is it's just being happy in what you do. And I realize now, looking back, I was doing jobs I really enjoyed. And my favorite job was at some microsystems a long time ago. Um, and everything else was just, I was going through the motion of trying to be a VP, trying to get a title. Um, and that didn't bring success. It didn't bring success at all. It didn't sort of give clarity to where, where I wanted to be. Was that too deep or did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and um, what I love about everybody's journey in the entrepreneurial world is like, it, I think half of the battle as an entrepreneur is staying focused and focusing 100% on, on one thing because the shiny object syndrome is always happening. You know, NFTs are a huge thing right now um, at the time of this recording. And it's so easy to get distracted on these things. We've had multiple business opportunities come our way around NFTs. And I've just decided to opt out completely, even though they might be billion dollar opportunities because I know it's going to distract from what we are doing uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And I can tell you, it, it isn't uh, a quick decision. It's usually two days of me calling a bunch of people, asking them questions and getting all excited about it. And then I get to the end of it and say, okay, is this the right direction? For me, it's usually my partner who's like, okay, focus. <laughs> we don't need to go 14 ways. Just stick with the one thing. So I, I think it's always beneficial to have that person. <laughs> and I think that that's a totally valid point. Um, and I'm sure your audience will resonate with it in terms of those that stay on the path, have a plan and a strategy and focus on it and don't detract. You find they are the successful entrepreneurs and you get lucky with, you know, some that can spin multiple plates and everyone exits really well, you know, Elon Musk, you know, sort of those type of names, but there's loads of other people that have built multiple um, multiple companies to multiple revenues that you don't hear about. And the reason they've done that is because they've been solely focused on execution. Um, and, and that's the key aspect. And I think, again, you know, my key takeaway of sort of finding what my core strengths is, I need to have a plan. If I have a plan and what I'm, my activities and where I'm focused on and where I want to be in a vision and I execute, I'll do well. Um, and I can still look at shiny toys. I just look at them late at night sort of thing when I'm, I'm not supposed to be where I'm focused on the plan. Um, but as long as you execute and keep that plan, you'll deliver and smash it. Yeah, love that. Well, and, and when it comes to your specific company, now that you know, channel as a service, you do have multiple companies, but with this, with this company in general, how have those strengths played to make this company successful? Um, again, it comes back to that plan and execution. So when, when you're working to build an indirect sales team and an indirect revenue, um, you basically have to go to market, research that, understand the space, and then have a clear, clear path to execution. Um, and you've got to be very good at pushing back at people that think they know best. And I don't mean that arrogantly or big headed, but a lot of people think that direct sales selling software in a direct model is the same as indirect. It's not, it's, it's subtly different. Um, so you have to have a plan that you execute against. And that's what I've brought into the business is a set of deliverables and some experience from doing this in multiple sort of hats um, around that so that I can execute successfully for clients and transfer that knowledge to them as well. And that can be, you know, sometimes it turns into a bit of a mentorship um, as well to the to the founder about how to execute and sort of stay on plan around that. Um, but for me, it's been anchor it back, have deliverables that are clear and concise that you can execute against with deliverable time and communication. Um, 
and it took four years to get there. I didn't have that at the start. At the start, I was very wishy-washy and just sort of brain-dumping everything, whereas now it's very clear and I have milestones. And that means that I can execute with multiple clients at the same time, but still deliver high quality and still deliver against what the plan is for them. Love that. You know, it's funny. I, I kind of have a notebook. Have a It's called the notebook test for myself, where if I'm constantly sitting down, jotting down notes about my business, I'm not clear enough. And, and I need those times. I need to sit down and actually spend as much time as it takes to get clear on the direction I have. Because it, if I'm constantly taking those notes, it means I don't know the four steps that I need to take in the future to make us, to help us win. And it doesn't mean you're in a bad place. It just means you need to focus on, you obviously need to get your direction straight. So I, I love that, that you found that for your own company, right? Because we all start off really wishy-washy, finding our market, finding the messaging. <laughs> it's, that's half the battle. <laughs> No, exactly. And, and and again, it goes back to knowing your strengths, doesn't it? So I'd always worked in environments where it was um, not dictated, but there's a clear path about you what ro- role was and there's processes in place already and you followed them. So in corporate land, you've got your direction on the 1st of January. It was like, this is the message for the next four months. You don't deviate. In startup land, it was slightly different. This is your message for this week and it may change tomorrow um, type of thing. So I had to be clear about what that was. So it took me... Um, a couple of clients' engagements to really understand they had to have that plan structure because they were looking to me of well what's what's what you're delivering what you know you can't just talk to me about stuff you've got to deliver stuff um, and having never worked in sort of a service delivery type model before it was a bit alien to me so you know that's that's the key thing that I've learned is plan execution deliverable and then you can scale but also deliver deliver the value love that. Well, and, and you know, you've worked with so many clients and with your own company, getting yourself to that point where you know the deliverables, you know what you're providing for people. Um, so I want to ask you this, like what, what is your most recent win that you're most excited about with your existing company? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I can't name the client, but I was working with them for quite a long time. Um, and we managed to broker um, a contract with... Uh, a very large, uh, I'm going to have to be really ambiguous because I've- That's okay, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, basically, we, we managed to broker a contract with a very large global software provider that is on most people's desktops, depending on what sort of piece of laptop you have, um, that meant we had a distribution path going through their top tier distributors. Uh, and essentially, this provider sells 93% of their software through the cloud, uh, and we were getting attached to that as well. So it was something we worked and brokered uh, a deal and sort of navigated through a corporate path over like 12 months. And getting that over the line, not as an employee, but as a contractor working in parallel with the client, and it was like... Yeah, crack open the champagne. It was just, it was, you know, it, it wasn't the, the revenue that we'd won. It was just the fact that we'd navigated this complex path and I'd I'd helped support that and guide it through um, and then turn it into revenue to the side by execution and owning that. Uh, and to me, it was like, oh, did pretty well there. I was, you know, it was like, a, I was pleased, but I couldn't shout about it. I can't talk about it. You don't get a cup or a reward or anything. Right. But that, that was, you know, amazing. It was really good to see. Um and it, and it also made me think, right, okay, yeah, th- there is legs in this business um, and people do need this. Not everybody needs it, but people do need it as well. Um, and it gives you that sort of kick because, again, if you're acting as a, an individual consultant, contractor, whatever it is, it's quite a sort of lonely land um, around that and you don't normally get those sort of things. Um, and, again, I suppose just, just a, a final note, one of my 
um, um, clients that was quite local. Finished working with them late last year, COVID hit, you know, their business they had to cut everything back. Um, and it was my 50th in February. Um, and just out the blue, um, they sent me some champagne, a cake and some biscuits and a card that all the staff had virtually signed. And, and that was quite a touching moment that even though I'd not worked there for like six months, and I've been working there to help them get them through a large project and, and to delivery uh, for a new SaaS product. But they had to let, delay going to market. It's going to market this year. But they still remembered and, and had said, you know, if we can bring you back and we're, we're going live, we'll bring you back again. So it's just nice little moments like that that you see the reward of, a, of a, an activity, a project, a campaign, and think, oh, yeah, people, people do recognize that. And you, you, get, you get to pat yourself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> those those yeah. are the great moments. Those are what make business fun, right? Is saying, yeah. "Hey, this is, this is a win." I love asking that question because it's always different. It's never yeah. like, "Oh, we we hit a million dollars," right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is, but it's it's most of the time it's like it was this amazing relationship or amazing contract that just helped you feel fulfilled, and it's it's cool to see that. I love to see those. So, Stuart, yeah. can you give us a little bit of? Uh, background on on who you are as far as uh, with your company and where we can connect with you yeah of course um yeah so channel as a service um the links and everything will be in the show notes and, and all that sort of aspect uh so base i provide indirect um about provide consultancy for b2b SaaS companies who, who want to buy, build an indirect sales channel and that normally is a company that's doing about 50 to 100k MRR. They've got direct sales working, marketing's working, and they want to go out there and work through resellers or VARs or distributors and take their product out to another market. Um, so I come in as a try before you hire. Um, you basically um, you hire me, I'll build a program, build all the structure, contractual agreements, find the partners, get to the first point of revenue. Um, and then normally it's like I carry on or we hire somebody and I step back and I, I let everybody else reap the rewards um, around it. And that's that's essentially I sort of work on a, a limited client basis um, so I can deliver all the value to them. Love that. So make sure you go check that out. So it's channelasservice.com. Uh, make sure you go check that website out. And honestly, if any of you know any SaaS companies, you know anybody who's sitting right at that spot, maybe they've got 50 employees. Most people don't know this, but SaaS companies don't really make enough money to even cover their costs for the first few years in a lot of cases. And someone like Stuart can come and help them really establish that and get those revenues coming in, some really great direct sales opportunities for them as well. So make sure if you know anybody like that, hit them up as well and push referrals his way as well. So Stuart, I appreciate you coming on here and I have one final question for you which is if you could leave us with one final parting piece of guidance, what would that be? I'm going to warn me about this one. Warn me about this one. <laughs> so I, think, I think it's comes back to what I've been talking about, which is just know your strengths. It may take you until you're 50 like me, or you may know it when you're 21 and be really cool. Um, I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I was 21, but just know what your strengths are and don't try and play to the market. So with me, it was like, don't go investing. I know that. And it took some pain. But once you realize what your strengths are, anything else is really easy and you'll just smash it in terms of whatever you're going to do in life. 
I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. 